Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see change lives, and we hope that this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy this message. I love when people pray in the Spirit. I don't know if you know what that means, but it means we just don't say words. We actually are praying what we feel God's telling you to do. And as I was listening to Kendra there, I'm like, she's praying in the Spirit. Now, here's why I say that. She mentioned towards the end of that prayer about feeling alone or lonely. And and during that last song, I felt a strong nudge that there's at least one person in this room, or maybe you're watching online, I don't know, who's very lonely, very lonely, to the point of very desperate. Uh, So I want to pray for you. I'm not going to make you stand or come up or anything like that. Uh, I want to pray for you. Are we cool with that? Let's pray. Father, I don't know who this is, but you do. And I, there's no doubt in my mind. As, she, as Kendra was praying, and I was sensing that the entire last song. But you know who it is. Or maybe it's a lot more than one person. I pray right now that just by the fact that you nudged both she and I about this, that they would know you have not forgotten them. <laughs> How cool is that? that they matter so much to you. In fact, that you are all that they need. And in this season of loneliness, and I don't know the circumstances, I don't know if it's been a, a week of loneliness or if it's been 20 years of loneliness, I pray that today, in this moment, they would know they're loved by their creator. And that they would know that you see them And that you're even going to bring some people alongside them in the upcoming days and weeks, and they're not going to be lonely anymore. God, I thank you for speaking to us. We pray in the name of Jesus. Everyone said, amen. You know what amen means, by the way? Amen literally means, and let it be so. And let it be so. In other words, when we pray it, we pray it expecting that God's going to answer, especially when we pray in the Spirit. In fact, and this wasn't planned at all. I can give you my notes. I didn't write them right now. Literally, I'm kicking off this sermon today talking about God speaks. (laughs) Did you know that, by the way? God speaks. God's alive. God's active. And he speaks. And he wants to reveal himself to you and to me. He wants to unleash purpose in your life. He wants to unleash meaning. He wants to unleash forgiveness. He wants to unleash hope. And he wants to speak that into you. And he wants you to receive that. In fact, the definition we have, it's not on a wall, I don't know if I'll ever put it on a wall, but at the Valley Church, and I've talked about this with our staff and with all our locations, definition of a disciple of Jesus or a follower of Jesus is as simple as this. A person who hears and responds in obedience to the voice of God. That's it. How do you know you're a follower of Jesus? It's someone who hears and responds, initially I just had hears and responds, but we can respond by being disobedient. (laughs) Who hears and responds in obedience to the voice of God. If you've never heard God's voice or experienced his voice, I pray that you do by the time we leave today. And it's not some magical thing, it's not some mystical thing, it's not James Earl Jones sounding out of the sky. It could be something that's said today. It could have been a lyric on a song. It could be a thought that comes into your mind. 
could be something that someone says to you. That's why, church, when we gather together, you're not just coming, you, I'm not just coming for myself. We should be praying as we're driving in, walking in, however we get here, God, is there someone you want me to talk to today? God, is there some word that you want me to give to someone else today? In fact, the Bible, it's called one anothering, one another's. All throughout the Bible, it says, love one another, encourage one another, you know, um, serve one another, et cetera, et cetera. What if when we gathered, by the way, we were always just kind of seeing if God had someone he wanted us to encourage or to pray for? I was reading, uh, the one year Bible actually last year, and I, I, I made it through. And in December, if you're reading the one year Bible and you're reading it straight through, not the chronological Bible, but the one that starts with Genesis, in December, you're probably reading the book of Revelation. Okay, and I was reading the book of Revelation, and I came to Revelation chapter 2. And as I was reading Revelation chapter 2, well, a little context of it John wrote the book of Revelation. He was a follower of Jesus, he had been exiled. Uh, to the island of Patmos. And uh, it's an island that still exists today, to, uh, today. And uh, at the beginning of this letter, God gives him words to write down to the seven churches in that area. Uh, and seven letters to seven different churches. And in chapter two, he, and they all kind of followed the same pattern, except the one I'm gonna read today, or we're gonna read. It's in uh, Revelation chapter two. And it's to the church in Ephesus. And let's go ahead and read that together. Or not, we don't have to read it out loud, but um, I'm going to read it. It'll be on the screens. I'm going to put this one on the screen. If you I have the Bibles in your row, I don't have the page number off the top of my head, but this is an easy one. So if you're not familiar with the Bible or where things are, that's perfectly fine. But this is an easy one. You open it up, and you start in the back, and you hit Revelation. <laughs> and if you hit something not Revelation, then you've gone too far, go backwards. Easy way to find it. Of course, if you have your phones, you can pull it up too. Verse 1 of chapter 2 says, To the angel or messenger of the church in Ephesus write, this is again Jesus speaking to John to write these words, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. He says, I know your deeds. Again, this is written to a church. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. Talked about that last time I was here, perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men and that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and you have found them false. You have persevered and you have endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary. So he commends them, right? He's saying, yes, great job. Keep doing that. Way to go. Yet, it's the only one written this way. Yet, I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do not do, and, excuse me, repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. In other words, it's another way of saying he'll remove his favor, his blessing. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. And then he says this, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes... I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So as I'm reading that, I don't know about you, but when I'm reading scripture, I ask a lot of questions. In fact, I tell people, don't just read the Bible, let the Bible read you. In other words, as you're reading it, let God speak to you. We sometimes want to read it so quick, we don't actually remember an hour later what we read. 
let alone the fact of the matter is we don't read it just to read it. We read it to allow God to read us and to speak to us. And so I was asking the question that I was reading, God, what do you want to say? What, what, is there some truth in here that you want to unveil? And what he kind of directed me towards was, what would a letter from him to the Valley Church look like? What if he were to write a letter to the Valley Church? So that's what I want to talk about today. Today's the last week of our series, This Is Your Year. This Is Your Year. And today, I want to really ask the question, this could be our year. Our year. What does it mean for this to be our year as not just Piqua, but all our locations, but I'm here today, so I'll talk more specifically to Piqua. The first question I asked is, what would he commend us for? I have a list, a long list. of who would he, I think he would commend us for being a church who sends people out to start new churches. You know, God by his nature is mission. God by his nature is mission, and God's nature of mission is that he's ascending God. How do I know that? Well, he sent his son, he sent his spirit, and Jesus one day was sharing with his disciples, and he said this one simple sentence that is life-changing from a missional theology standpoint. He said, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So God would say, way to go. Way to go, Piqua in particular. Way to go, Piqua. You sent twice. You sent people, some of your family, some of your friends. You sent financial resources to go to another community so people could get to know Jesus. Just in four months or so at Sydney, they baptized 12 people. 12 people, yes, yeah. That's why we do this. It's not the easy path. Trust me, I was in Texas for some meetings this past week on churches multiplying. Not many are. And those that are are struggling with it. This is, be praying for it. It's, 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 not the, it's, it's never the easiest route. If it was easy, right, everyone would do it. I think he would commend us because of so many of your generosity. Over $50,000 was just raised to do the total remodel of that kid's area. If you have kids or grandkids or picking them up today, Make sure you have your sticker, okay? But other than that, check it out. I mean, all new carpet in there, all new painting. That's huge. You might say, well, you know, what's that have to do about life transformation? I'm telling you, in a, in a church facility, a, a building, environments matter, and the environment in the kids' area matter more than any other environment. You know that as parents, grandparents. Go to somewhere where it's dark or dirty or clearly that's not a focus. You know right away, they weren't really expecting my kids to be here. So I want to say thank you. Thank you along with that for investing in the next generation. I know Jesus would commend us to say, you're trying to reach as many children as many teens. He would commend the Valley Church for $49,000 that was raised to go to Isaiah's place and to go to Alpha Community Center and go to Safe Haven. He would commend us. He would commend us that we're not only trying to be in our community, which do you know four different community events our Pickwell location's been at just in this fall? In the community with people rubbing elbows, showing them what exists, getting to know their names, getting to build relationships with them. But he would even say, he commend us for being a church that looks even beyond our area and even beyond sending, but to go to Honduras, to go to a whole other country, an entire different country with hurting people and lost people. And I'm telling you this right now, if you've never been on an international mission trip, every adult should go on one trip in their life. Because you're going to, and then you're going to come back, I can't afford it. Do you trust God? 1500 1600 bucks, whatever, that's, you know, under, you understand how little that is to God? <laughs> like, he's like, you serious? Or I don't have time. 
I'm just telling you, at some point, and actually Rob and I have been talking, Rob uh, Alexander, who leads that, I think we're going to be at the point not too distant future. We're going to need to take two of them a year. Okay? And God commend us for going other places, you know, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth to share the gospel. And he would commend us. I have a long list, but I'll keep it at that. There's other things he would commend us for. But as I was reading that, I was like, okay, what might God challenge us with? What could God challenge the valley and me, or starting with me probably, and God kind of brought me to Matthew chapter 9. So that's where we're going to shift over to is Matthew chapter 9. And it says this. It says, Jesus went out, or Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. What did Jesus do? Jesus did three things. He taught, he preached, and he healed, okay? He taught, teaching, preaching, and healing. Now, you might be, if you're like me, like, what's the difference between teaching and preaching? Glad you asked. I'll give you an explanation in 60 seconds or less. Teaching is essentially feeding or helping you understand, making sense of things. Preaching is saying, go do then what I just taught you to do. <laughs> Does that make sense? Teaching, and I always, when I'm training different communicators at the Valley or different other folks, I always tell them, in every sermon, you should do a mixture, Every sermon should have some teaching, some preaching. Us pastors have messed it up, I think, for a lot of time. And all we want to do is teach because we like to learn and we like to share what we learn with other people. And then people, and we always get frustrated when they say, feed me, feed me, you aren't feeding me. Well, we've conditioned them to be fed. We haven't preached and said, then go do. James says this, don't look in a mirror and forget what you look like, right? In other words, we read scripture and we don't do what it says. It's the same thing as looking in a mirror and forget what we look like. So Jesus would teach. He was an awesome teacher, wasn't he? I mean, he would take some of the most complicated things and simplify them. And, one of the, and I, I was a teacher for almost 10 years. That's my background, teaching high school science. One of the things we trained teachers, or I was trained, a good teacher asks really good questions. Was Jesus not like the master in asking questions? Like the questions that be like, I wish you had not asked me that. <laughs> but he was also a great preacher because he didn't just teach them. He said, oh, I want you two to then go and do what I'm doing. Like, I want you to, to go and heal. I want you to, to go cast out demons. I want you to, right? He didn't just teach them. He preached and said, you need to go do this. And then he healed, right? And when we see that all throughout Scripture. Now, as I'm reading that, I'm saying, okay, the next question that came to my mind is, why does he do these things? What is his motivation? What would motivate him to teach? What would motivate him to preach? What would motivate him to heal? Well, we get the answer actually in this passage. It says the following, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. Here's the answer of why he did it. It's two words. He saw. He saw. You know, when, when a lot of people saw kids as an annoyance or a distraction, Jesus said, saw them, and he brought them to him, and he blessed them. When there was an IRS agent hanging in a tree one day that everyone despised, and everyone couldn't stand, and it was annoying, Jesus saw him, and he said, Zacchaeus, come with me. I want, I want to give you a better life. When everyone else saw this lady with a bleeding issue, in that culture, if you had a bleeding issue or if you had leprosy, you would literally have to yell out, unclean. If you're walking out of your house down the street, you would have to yell, unclean, 
unclean, unclean, so that people would not touch you, so that they would scatter. This lady for 10 years had yelled, unclean, unclean, tried every other, every, med- uh, every mode of medicine to fix her issue. And then one day, she touched the edge of Jesus' robe. And we're told he turned around and he saw her and he healed her. The blind, they were cast aside. They were of no value. There was no healthcare system. There was no Medicare system, Medicaid system. There was nothing. They were cast aside and Jesus saw them. And he said, do you want to get better? Do you want to see? And they're like, duh. (laughs) And he gave them sight. Jesus out on the boat one day with his disciples, and all the disciples could see was this raging storm and all the fear and all the trembling. And Jesus saw the fear in their eyes, and he saw the fear in their hearts. And with one word, what? He calmed the storm, and he calmed them. He saw. Now, what did he see? And what's that mean for us? It says this, and it gives us the answer here. He saw them. And how did he see them? He saw them because they were harassed and helpless. Now, part of it is we have to understand the language of that time because harassed in our mind says that people were picking on them, right? They were, that's not what the word means in the Greek. Our, our language, and it's, I don't know any other language, so it's not like I can bash or whatever, but our language is very um, docile. It's very just like, blah, there's a good theological term. It's, the, the Hebrew in the Old Testament is incredibly vivid, incredibly artistic, incredibly the imagery. In the Greek, to a lesser degree, but still, is in, there's a lot more meaning behind. And when you dig into the meaning, the word harassed the, was actually a word that was used for a visual of someone being torn apart by a wild animal. They would have been laying on the ground all mangled and all torn up. That gives it some more oomph, doesn't it? <laughs> you ever feel like that? You ever feel harassed? Not harassed because someone's picking on you or, or annoying you, but mangled, shredded. Felt like you're just left out there to die. And then the word helpless literally translates into weary, dejected, and vulnerable. Weary? Anyone weary? Been there? Anyone ever feel dejected? Anyone been vulnerable? Now, when we combine all this, this is where it gets fascinating. Because it says this, that Jesus did three things when he was out and about. He taught, he preached, and he healed. I used to teach, okay? Now, I taught high schoolers, so they would look at me and not do anything. But I like participation, okay? So, let's say that out loud and loudly. He taught, he preached, and he healed, But then, the reason he did that, his motivation, is because he saw them. And what did he see? He saw shredded up, mangled, hurting, helpless people. In fact, what he saw, and if you like alliteration, anyone like alliteration? He saw hurting, helpless, and hellbound people. That's what he saw. So what did he do about it? How did he respond? And how do you and I respond when we start seeing people? Not just seeing them, not just seeing them walk by, but when we start seeing their brokenness. 
when we start seeing their hopelessness, when we start seeing their loneliness, when we start seeing, when we really get, we need to have compassion. It says that. That Jesus saw them and he had compassion. The word in the Greek for compassion is splachna. I would have you say that out loud loudly, but I don't want you to spit on the person in front of you. Neither do they. But you can work on that later if you want. It comes from deep within, splach. But the word is literally means a visceral upturning or a visceral reaction. In other words, you're sick to your stomach. So you're piecing all this together. Jesus went out and he taught and he preached and he healed because he saw them. You kind of got to go backwards. It's because he saw them. It's because he saw them and he had compassion on them and it wrecked him. That's an easy way to say it. So when you're reading this, you could just say, when Jesus saw the crowds, it wrecked him. And it wrecked him. And when something wrecks you, you got to do something, right? When something wrecks you, or something in someone's life wrecks you because you see it, and it's not right. You know, it's not right that people are going to hell. It's not right. It's not how God intended things to be. He didn't intend death, believe it or not, right? He redeemed it. Only God can redeem death, right? (laughs) It's not how things were supposed to be. But that compassion oozes out. And when that compassion oozes out, incredible things happen. In fact, what, one of the challenges for me and for us is we need to go beyond seeing people to feeling what they're feeling. Does that make sense? We need to start going beyond what we see to what we feel. In fact, it says this about Jesus in Luke chapter 19, verse 41. It says, when the city came into view. Now, the, Jim, Jesus, the context of this, Jesus is walking up a hill, and he gets to the top of this hill, and he's overlooking the big, massive city of Jerusalem. And it says that when the city came into view, Jesus what? He wept. He wept. What if I were, and we don't have the budget for this, but if I were to um, rent 70 or 80 helicopters today, wouldn't that be fun? (laughs) And we all loaded in, I'm getting Apaches because we're going to get the real deal, right? So we could maybe put 12 or 15 of us in there, and we just take a a flight over Piqua today. Because there's no hill, it's flat here, so we can't go up on a hill and see it. But I fly you overhead. What are we going to see? What are we going to see? We're going to see poverty, right? Some of the things we're not literally going to be able to see, but it's happening inside the homes. We're going to see addiction. Some of it you might be actually able to see outside the house. We're going to see those who have gotten drugs, have gotten the best of them. We're going to see those who are addicted to alcohol. We're going to see divorce. We're going to see loneliness. We're going to see people with physical disabilities. We're going to see people grieving. We're going to see people who have no feeling for hope. I I don't read the news hardly at all, but I did see an article on on Facebook that came across today, or a couple days ago, you know what I'm talking about, in downtown Piqua, right? Someone someone had taken their life in their their vehicle. That's here. And that, unfortunately, is not probably going to be the only story of that happening in 2024. We got to do something about that. We have to. We cannot sit idly by. I will, I, we can't. We cannot. If we say we're followers of Christ, those of who are, and if you're not a follower of Christ here today, 
my hope, they tell me, well, they didn't even do the countdown. It starts with 35 minutes, and it's at 35 minutes, so, so I'm good to go for a while. <laughs> I've got 10 minutes or so left. But if you're here today, and you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never experienced his forgiveness, I pray in the next 10 or 15 minutes that happens. But if we're here today and we say, yes, I've, accepted, I've realized I have a sin issue and I accepted Christ as my Savior, then we cannot sit idly by. We can't. This could be your year, but this could be our year. I'm a big believer that if the church is doing what the church was meant to do, the church should always have a seating issue. <laughs> the church probably should always be doing some type of capital campaign for expansion, and the church should always be sending people out. I will not allow, or I, will ex I refuse to accept that the church is in decline. I know what the statistics say, but those are just statistics. We have to have our hearts broken for people who don't know Jesus. And we have to have our hearts broken for the things that break his heart. And we see right here, this is how he operates. If you're wondering who Jesus is today and you're skeptical about Jesus because of the church or because of someone you know who professes this Jesus, this is who Jesus is. I want you to meet Jesus. This is who Jesus is. And this is what followers of Jesus should look like, that they see people, they see the hurting, they see the broken, and they don't just walk by. In fact, one of the things God reveals, so every week what I do is I have my sermon done by 3 p.m. on Wednesday. I'm type A, by the way, if you've never noticed that. <laughs> like I would be probably the picture in the definition, unfortunately. So by 3 p.m., it, I mean, I block Wednesday out to ensure that by 3 p.m. that way, because I always tell them I hold everyone hostage if the sermon's not done. So by 3 p.m., they have every, whatever they need for these slides, graphics, online, whatever else they're doing. And then the rest of Wednesday, all day Thursday, Friday's my day off, so I try to disconnect. Saturday and then Sunday morning, I allow God to move everything from here into here. The splachna. <laughs> And into the heart. So that means by the time I'm preaching this, I've preached it to myself or allowed God to preach it to me easily 20 times. Because <laughs> I don't want to just read something to you. I'm, and I'm, you know, God's been just wrecking me the last three or four days. Like I've been driving around Piqua, I've been driving around Troy, Sydney even, and He's opened my eyes. You know, in our world anymore, you don't even have to know someone's story when you know something's just messed up in their life. Their face says it all. I mean, I see it at the YMCA. I see it at the supermarket. I see it wherever I'm in the pickup line for the kids sometimes. You can see it. The pain. The hurt. The lostness. One of the phrases I say a lot is an empty seat's not okay. That seat being empty right now to me is 100% unacceptable. And I'm speaking to myself. I need to invite people to fill those seats. Why? Because that seat represents a life. Y'all, the ones sitting in seats, your lives, right? <laughs> and you have a story. And Jesus either is part of your story or he's not, part, I say not yet part of your story because he's going to be. <laughs> if you keep coming, he's going to be part of your story. And so many people in our region, I've done some data analysis that just within our locations, 30 minutes from, because we have people at all our locations who drive 30 minutes. So I've gone 30 minutes north of, Pick, of uh, Sydney to 30 minutes south of Troy, and then 30 minutes east and west of all our locations. 
first service, I said the rough estimate was 250,000. The staff always tells me it's closer to three quarters of a million. Statistics would say, and I think they're right, I'm wrong, that close to easily, 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 three quarters of a million people within 30 minutes of all the valley locations don't know Jesus. You've maybe heard me say this before. In fact, I say it a lot, not because I don't have anything better to say. I say it a lot because I figure by the time I get done saying this, or I get tired of hearing myself say it, it's probably when it's all sinking in for all of us. And my thing I say is, hell's a real place. Hell is a real place, and real people go there. And bringing hell to earth happens all the time, and real people are living in the midst of it. But yet... Jesus says, even the, gates of hell, even the gates of hell will not stand against my church. It's, not me making, you can read it for yourself. Even, you ever look at gates? You ever, you ever see a gate around a house and say, wow, that, that's going to attack me. It's going to come, right? Gates, by their very definition, are non-aggressive. <laughs> they will not hurt you. Jesus was not mistaken. He was very intentional when he used that imagery of the gates of hell. And he said, my church needs to do what? Knock them over. Knock them over. And they prayed it too. He didn't, he said, well, how do I pray? He said, well, I want you to pray that heaven comes to earth. I want to unleash all of that here. So what's that mean for us? What do we do with this? Let's continue with this passage. It says, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. The phrase that came to my mind as I was writing this, and it definitely was not from me because I would not have challenged myself like this, so it came from God. He told me, you need to start becoming the answers to your own prayers, Mark. Here's what I mean by that. I pray for my neighbors. I pray for friends of my kids. I pray for people who don't know Jesus. And he's telling me, Mark, you ask, yeah, keep praying. That's great. You need to be the one who starts inviting them to things. You need the one who starts, you need, in other words, don't just pray and expect magical things to happen. You need to get out of your comfort zone, Mark, and you need to make some invitations. One thing, if you've noticed this about me at all, is that I will do whatever it takes short of sin to reach people for Jesus. And I want to thank you for giving me grace to try some new things. <laughs> is that okay? Thank you. Seriously, thank you. Like, I'm going to try, I want, especially men. I know if I can reach a guy, and us guys, we're incredibly hard-headed, but if I can reach a guy, and guys don't want to see other people, they don't, I'll just be straight up. We, we who have been coming to church for a while, we stand up and we sing songs. You know how weird that is? <laughs> Seriously. Like, where do you do that? Maybe at like a Def Leppard concert. I don't know. Okay, dating myself. <laughs> and a guy coming to church doesn't even know any of the songs, right? Some of you guys out there, I see your heads going, I don't even know what Jericho, I don't know what that is, Okay. You know, it's like some professional wrestler, right, Jericho? <laughs> I, I'm a little culturally with it. <laughs> you don't want anyone looking at you while we're singing, do you? I'm a guy, right? I'm going to darken the lights a little bit. I'm, I want to thank you for giving us, because I'm doing this all strategically, and I've done it at Troy strategically. I want to reach as many people. I want to depopulate hell. 
Some of the things I do, I don't even know if I like, I agree with what I do, but my heart's always, how do I reach people who don't know Jesus? So I want to say thank you. Thank you for being a church that extends grace to try some stuff. Because just maybe, just maybe, your husband will come, or your son will come, or your wife, or your daughter, or your neighbor. But it tells us here, this is, the, this is so cool. The harvest is plentiful. A lot of times when we read the harvest, or it's even sometimes translated, oh, that means the end time, that, that's, that's uh, eschatology, or the end times, or that's, that's the time when we stand in front of Jesus, that's, that's the final, no, no, no. In certain cases, it is in scripture. This is not one of them. This is saying the harvest is now. This is not an end times harvest. This is a 2024 harvest is plentiful. What's that mean? There, well, context. I read everything before. That means there's a lot of helpless and shredded up people right now who are desperate for someone to see them, just see them, and then be wrecked by them and to teach or preach or heal. Or I'll make it even simple for you. Just invite them. <laughs> just invite. And the workers are few. It's not saying the pastors are few. It's not saying that the staff is few. It's saying enough people have not been gripped by the truth of what we just read, that hurting people are all around us, and they don't say this, they don't even know to say this, but they are desperate that someone would see them and be wrecked by them and have the courage to talk about Christ or to make an invitation. So we're going to do this. We're going to ask the Lord of the harvest to send out his workers. Guess where his workers are? I'm looking at them. So cool how God designed it. Looking at them. Because you live next to them. And I live next to them. And we shop at the places. And our kids go to school at the same places. And maybe you're here today and you are part of that harvest. We're going to pray in a little bit. They still haven't started the countdown, so I'm still... I hope you're a lunch. No, I'm kidding. Um, but I'm going to pray in a little bit, by the way, that you cross line of faith. I was driving in today. Okay, so you want to know a secret about me? Of course you do, right? Like, this is like confessional time. So I like to try new things, and I'm not afraid to try about anything, like I said, to reach people who don't know Jesus. But my little secret is I... My wife, she was saying this the other day. She's like, if people knew this about you, they would die. Um, I got you. I got your attention now. You put your phones down. I like Southern gospel music. I listen to the Gaither. I have a playlist on Spotify. Now I have Elevation. I have, you know, all, Carrie Job and all them. But I, I, have a, I literally have one entitled Gaither, and I, I work out to it, which probably says about why my workouts are no good. But... Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not necessarily the most motivating thing. I'm, I'm a different duck. And uh, I was driving in today, and I was uh, listening to Booth Brothers or someone, and uh, it just grabbed my heart. And, I, and God just kind of, he said this. It, it, it just hit my mind that there might be five people today who cross over from death to life before we leave. Isn't that cool? God speaks through gospel music, apparently. Um, I don't know if it's in the kids' area or if it's in the teens or maybe some of you online right now. Maybe you're listening to the podcast a couple months from now. Maybe it's in this space right now. But before we pray and give you an opportunity, I want to give you one action step. You ready for this? I'm going to tell you anyhow. One action step. 
Two weeks from now, we have football Sunday happening here. Cameron Babb. Cameron Babb plays, played for Ohio State, Buckeyes, you know. I do this very intentional, by the way. And I don't know, I, going forward, just from a cost standpoint and all that, with all the locations, I don't know if I can bring a speaker in going forward every year, but I'm doing it this year. And I intentionally brought Cameron Babb to Piqua. Um, last few years, you've had guys about my age or younger. I wanted a 20-something to come here. So I want to I see as many 20-somethings who don't know Jesus come. I want to see as many teenagers who don't know Jesus come. I'm cool with every age. I don't care if invite your 90-year-old friends. Here's what I want you to do, though. I'm going to make this easy. I think Football Sunday is the easiest invite of the year to make to those. Because here's how, I'm going to give you, I'm going to let you in how I make So Dylan and I, our 10-year-old, he and I take a bunch of uh, these cards. Actually, I have 25 of these laying on my desk. We're going to hit all the locations up this year, which is a blast. We're going to go to Sydney and do this and pick one, Troy. And here's what I do. I take an invite card, and I go to a house, I knock on the door, or sometimes they're sitting out front, or they're passing me on the sidewalk, and I ask them one question. Do you like Ohio State? Do you like the Buckeyes? In this area, like 95% of people say yes, right? And then after that, I say, well, did you know Cameron Babb plays for the, and I give him that, hold the card, he's coming to Piqua. I don't say he's coming to the church. I would freak him out. Do you know he's coming to Piqua? No way. Yeah, it would be so awesome to come. Now, these are people I don't know. If it's someone you know, same deal. You Buckeye fan? Now, here's the deal. If, if, they, if you go to their door and knock or their relative of yours and, and say, and you ask, are you a Buckeye fan? And they say no. Hell's a real place, and real people go... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I say that as a Penn State fan. Even if they answer you, no, don't just stop and say, well, I guess they're a lost cause. Don't make the invitation. But I'm just saying, and then if they... But here's the deal. If, if you know them, if you know them, then ask them to come sit with you. You like the Buckeyes? Yeah. You know Cameron Babb's coming to pick one? No way. That's so cool. Would you come sit with me? And then if they say yes, either in the moment or they text you later or Facebook message you later or whatever they do, then here's what I want you to do. And I mean this seriously, it sounds sarcastic, but I do mean this seriously. I want you to then come to the same service they come to. And I want you to coordinate with whether you drive together or whether you meet them at the door, but you don't just assume they're going to find you. There's multiple entrances here. I'm working, by the way, on actually getting labeled with signs out in the parking lot, because if you come here, you know, but there are, this is a little confusing if you don't. Pay attention to that when you leave, it's interesting. I want you to ask them to come sit with you and meet them at the door. And here's the deal. I, the, only, the mistake I feel I made with Football Sunday is this. I, I should have figured out a way to do three services. Because my expectation is that when we leave today, and I, I told you, I have 25 sitting in my office right now, but when we leave today, there's not a single card left. We'll, we'll order more this week. I, I, I intentionally went and found them all early this morning and put them all at that uh, thing as you leave, where, the card holder thing, and I put them all over there. I want you to take them. And we're going to, I've already told, this, uh, instructed the staff, we're going to bring every chair we can find in this place. We'll have an overflow space with some cool features in the team. We'll figure out whatever we can do. We'll change the sign for occupancy for, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> These are taped. I shouldn't say that stuff. Okay. Um, and here's why. We're going to talk about football. We're going to have fun and all that kind of stuff. But Cameron Babb, if you've read his, he's the real deal. He knows Jesus. 
And it's going to be an evangelistic Sunday where people are going to hear about who Jesus is because you saw them. This is so cool. Someone's counting on you. Someone's counting on me. You saw them. You were wrecked by their spiritual condition or by their life condition, condition or both. And you had to do something. You had to do something. What if we, as the Valley Church, depopulated hell, snatched out, snatched out, snatched, that we continue to reach people, we continue to reach people, children, teens, adults. What if? I don't buy into this. I, statistics are real, and I, I believe them, but why can't we defy statistics? Why can't 50% of Piqua become followers of Jesus Christ? What would happen? Oh, I don't care about the seating problem and the expansion problem. I'm saying what would happen? There'd be less people in jail. There'd be less people addicted. There'd be less people getting divorced. There'd less be people lonely. It would change everything. And God has the plan, and it's you, and it's me, and there is no plan B to reach this world. So I pray between now and a couple weeks from now, and you can invite them next week, of course, too, but that our hearts are wrecked. Our hearts are wrecked. And that includes our teenagers my kids are the best evangelists. They have so much more courage than me. They're going to invite their whole class. They probably already have. What if? What if? What if thousands or tens of thousands of lives were changed in the next couple years because it wasn't because of the Valley Church. It was simply because we were obedient obedient to who we saw. Would you stand with me, please? Let's pray. If you're in this space right now or you're joining us elsewhere and, and you aren't sure if you know Jesus, the, the Bible tells us that the Spirit will, will affirm that or confirm that <clears throat> on our hearts if we're in relationship with Him. So if you're not sure, that's sometimes an indicator that's probably you've never accepted him into your life. The Bible tells us that all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's perfect glory. But it also tells us if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. He will cleanse us of all our sins or forgive us of all our sins and he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Is that you today? Do you have that sense that you have never experienced his forgiveness? Then would you confess? Confess means to agree with, by the way. You would agree that your rebellion, your sins of commission, in other words, the things you've done outside of God's perfect and holy order, or the sins of omission, what you knew you are supposed to do and didn't, have separated you, and there is no way to go from the one side to the other side of that separation except through the cross of Jesus. That a perfect sinless lamb of God went to a hill called Calvary, and his blood was shed. Blood always had to be shed for the forgiveness of sins, for the atoning sacrifice. Would you receive that today? There is no magic prayer, so I don't pray magic prayers. There is no sinner's prayer. That's not in the Bible. You just need to talk to him. He'll give you the words. It's as simple as recognizing I'm a sinner and that he's the Savior, and you take it from there with the Lord. I pray for the rest of us, or for all of us for that matter. God, would you give us courage?
I have a feeling you've already put in mind different people. And you know one of the things, too, that just hit my mind, Father, is maybe it's not that they even say yes to Jesus that day, but maybe that day that they show up here, you do some type of crazy healing. We talked about that today. Wow. What if it's not even a word that's said that day, but somehow your spirit comes down that day and you heal someone from an addiction. Your spirit comes down that day and you hear someone from some mental anguish. Your spirit comes down that day and they heal, you heal someone with a physical ailment. Why not? Teaching, preaching, and healing. Let's start praying that. And we're going to start praying that, God, that there would be healings that take place on football Sunday. <laughs> Come on, Jesus, let's do it. Father, you're so good. I thank you for all these people in front of me. I thank you that they're so full of grace, that they're so loving, that they're so caring. And I pray that you would just instill within us such splachna, that compassion that only comes through your spirit giving it to us. And we pray that in the name of Jesus. Everyone said, amen, and let it be so. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious unto you, and may he give you peace. Go spread that peace. Be blessed. Thanks for joining us today. To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure to subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app today to stay connected with all things The Valley. And if today's message impacted you or changed your life, share it with a friend because changed lives change lives.